everyone. Welcome to The Funnel, an experience-driven commerce podcast. I'm Shannon Abel, Senior Media Marketing Specialist at Blue Acorn ICI and host. Each episode, I interview customer experience experts to discuss the latest trends and topics that matter most to brands and retail professionals. Today, we have with us Chris Guerra, co-CEO at Blue Acorn ICI. And today, we'll be talking about what Omnichannel looks like in 2021 and beyond. But before we hop in, Chris, do you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and as you shared earlier, I'm the co-CEO of Blue Acorn ICI. Um, I actually started my career in brick and mortar retail. And I, see, I think you'll quickly see how that's impacted what we've been doing at Blue Acorn ICI. But starting in brick and mortar retail with Barney's New York and Nike, it really helped me understand the retail landscape. And while I love brick and mortar retail, I quickly learned that I wanted to transition to the e-commerce world. Um, Many of the learnings from brick and mortar directly apply to uh, e-commerce. And so uh, that really helped to formulate the vision that you see for Blue Acorn ICI today. And so as a part of my uh, day-to-day work at Blue Acorn ICI, I work hand-in-hand with all of our clients to help them create Uh, strategies from implementing new technologies to optimizing uh, existing technologies. Awesome. So before we talk about the now and the future of Omnichannel, uh, let's go back a few years and just kind of, you know, what did Omnichannel look like five years ago and then how has it evolved to today? Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, Omnichannel uh, several years ago was for sure clunky um, and it was something that brands really didn't cater towards their customers. Um, and I think a really good example of Omnichannel uh, was with actually two competing companies, um, and that's Amazon and someone like a uh, Best Buy. So very early on, Omnichannel was something where, let's take a TV, for example. Um, so you would go to Best Buy, you would see the 20 different TVs that you might be interested in, and then you would narrow it down to two or three. Then you would come back home, you'd look on a website, and you would uh, price compare. Um, and in many cases, you would complete that transaction online. And so uh, what ended up happening is Omnichannel was a disconnected experience. And quite frankly, many brick and mortar retailers uh, were losing business to those that were uh, really focused on uh, the online space. Great. I think today now over, according to Gartner, over half of consumers prefer in-person shopping experience more for information and discovery rather than transactional now. So you know, that term like showrooming was really big a few years yeah. ago with using your devices for sh- getting that showroom experience. But now, like you said, it's flipped. Yeah. And I think what's really interesting is that if you look at why customers like that in-store experience, it's because it's as personalized as you can possibly get. When you walk into a brick and mortar location, you typically have a uh, sales associate that comes up to you, ask some questions about yourself. And then what they do is they really curate the shopping experience, meaning once they learn some stuff about you, that helps to know what category of products um, you're looking for, the style or different types of products. And they can also explain features and benefits. And so it's a much easier way to learn and research uh, about 
pro about products. And so I think that's really, when you look at like that Gartner um, stat that you shared, that's really why customers like shopping in stores because it's a personalized uh, experience. And how are you seeing brands think about creating that, the in-store experience online today? Yeah, well, it's hard because like with a e-commerce site, it's very much like a choose your own adventure. Think about any website that you visit today. You go to that website and you have a hundred different journeys that you could potentially take, but you really don't have anyone showing you around the website. You don't have someone saying, go to this section, go to that section of the website. And so when you look specifically at how you make the experience more linear, um, a big piece of it is how do you take data and personalize the e-commerce experience. So you can look at basic demographic information or basic interest questions when you first hit a website. If you can learn two or three different things about your customer at a homepage level, then it allows you to better cater a category page to, let's say, pre-default it to men's or women's. Um, it's a great example of well, instead of a customer having to go to a category, then click men's, why not put them right into uh, that section? And so when we look at making the experience linear, one, it's about taking data that you have and putting a customer in a more relevant destination. Um, but two, it's also about how do you recommend products? How do you recommend content that's relevant to them so that you're kind of guiding them through uh, what that shopping experience is. Obviously, it's easier said than done, but how do you take bite-sized pieces of data and how do you take content blocks or featured section of the website and personalize them based on those data points? And from more of an operational perspective, are you seeing brands change the way they have their functions organized to facilitate these omnichannel experiences? Totally. I mean, I think if you look at the benefit of any e-commerce platform is that uh, there's product attributes and there's custom, customer attributes. And anytime uh, we see a customer replatforming, uh, we share with them that it's a great opportunity to take a deep breath and clean your data. Um, and cleaning your customer data and product data allows you to better segment information into the CMS system. And so when you look at those that are really winning in e-commerce, it's those that are restructuring data to properly fit the e-commerce platform and then using native functionality with the platform to really leverage that information. I know with one of our clients, we've really helped them uh, create more of a, an immersive omnichannel experience. Do you want to talk a little bit about LoveSack and how they're taking on this omnichannel experience? Yeah, totally. So Lovesack's a, a great example of one, a brand that's created a great brand image. Um, two, they've created a wonderful product. And when you look at the Lovesack product, um, and for those that aren't aware, it's really home furnishings, it's sofas, um, but they're highly configurable. Um, one of the cool parts about Lovesack is that you can literally build your own couch from uh, colors and fabrics all the way to the configuration of the sofa, whether you wanted an L or a U or certain uh, width or length. And with that, it's a complicated buy. Um, it's not easy to kind of build your own couch by yourself. In most cases, or pre-COVID, a lot of what 
uh, a love sack saw was customers would go into a showroom and they would configure their couch right there in the store. But with COVID, it really forced them to think more through an omni-channel lens and how did they create a great custom configuration system on the website. And so uh, we had the opportunity to work with LoveSack, 3Kit, and Magento to be able to build uh, a solution where a customer could easily configure their own couch. Now, while we all may think it's easy, it's important that we still present to the customer the opportunity to visit a showroom. And so a great solution we implemented was the ability to book an appointment um, within a showroom. And so creating different flows or different hooks to and from the showroom was a great way to create an omni-channel experience and quite frankly, create the same brand experience, no matter if you started on the website and then went to the showroom or vice versa. Exactly. And shameless plug here, but Chris will be speaking with Sue Beckett, the VP of digital marketing and e-commerce at LoveSack at Adobe Summit this year on April 27th. So definitely make sure to register for the event to learn more about um, LoveSack's story. But kind of in contrast to LoveSack, we also see digitally native brands embracing this omnichannel experience. Do you see did COVID accelerate those strategies or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting. I think that if you look at uh, a Warby Parker or even companies like uh, Marine Layer, they built really awesome brands online. But one of the most challenging parts about creating a brand uh, online is you don't have uh, the visibility that brick and mortar locations have. Um, and if you look at traditional retail, many brands were built by storefronts. One of the areas that as the Warby Parkers of the world um, were looking to ultimately attract new customers, uh, they found that retail was a great opportunity for them. It was basically a much more interactive billboard. Um, and so uh, what's fascinating about the Warby Parkers of the world is when you go into their store, there's so many different hooks to go back to the website to capture an order. So at the end of the day, you may not buy those glasses within the store, but there's calls to action to add them to your account. There's calls to action to try them back or once you add something to your wish list in the store to go back to the website and virtually try them on again. And so there's really great examples of how these digitally native brands have used brick and mortar to attract new customers. Um, but also to close the loop. Um, and what I mean by that is we tend to think of uh, abandoned shopping carts from an e-commerce perspective, but how often do we think about abandoned carts from a brick and mortar perspective? In many cases, you'll go to a brick and mortar location, you'll think about buying things, and then you leave the store and you never hear from that store again. For something like Warby Parker, they're inserting that information into your online profile so it's almost like a, a reverse of an abandoned card. It's like you're leaving stuff in the store, but they're remarketing it to you when you go back onto the website. And so I think it's a really creative way to attract new customers, um, but also close transactions. Interesting. So using their digital experience to really elevate that in-store experience and vice versa. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I feel like there's so many different ways now that brands are thinking about omnichannel channel beyond buy online, pick up in store. 
Um, I know Nordstrom now, I don't know if they offer anymore, but I know they used to offer reserve online and try in store. So shoppers can actually pick out what they want on the website. And then Nordstrom sets the items aside in the fitting store in one of their stores. And at whatever time the customer chooses, they get to go and try it on at their convenience. Yeah. The, uh, and I think that's always like uh, an interesting dynamic because like if, if you look at, I mean, the cool part about uh, my job is that I get to talk with some of the best brands and retailers uh, in the world. And it's fascinating to see them, like how their buying processes um, work. In many cases, uh, clients will come to us and say, we have a directive to do omnichannel. And that's a super, super vague ask. And I think a lot of um, brands and retailers will look at it as, okay, we'll just do buy online, pick up in store, check the box and move on. Um, but the reality is that omni-channel is much deeper than buy online, pick up in store. Really, if you look at decoding what omni-channel means, it's really just integrating data to and from uh, the retail locations and the website. And how do you make sure that that information flows? So just like if you're on a website browsing stuff and you happen to be logged into the website, when you go into a retail location, there's a great opportunity for a sales associate to ask your name. Um, and when they ask your name, it pulls up your profile and they can see what you've looked at or what you've purchased uh, in the uh, past. So it's a great opportunity to leverage information um, in different points of the buying journey. And so I think that's one interesting thing. The other interesting thing and why I think we're seeing omnichannel more prevalent or we're seeing more creative implementations of it is that quite frankly, a lot of uh, retailers and brands goals were conflicting. Uh, you would have retail locations that were very focused on their sales goals. And then you had the e-commerce team focused on their sales goals. And so in many cases, the e-commerce directors would want to keep the sales on the website because they would lose if someone bought in one of the stores. But now you're starting to see more attribution um, models help to share credit. Same thing, we had a client that was a, I won't share the name, but it was a footwear retailer. I um, mean, the biggest challenge they had with buy online, pick up in stores that they're in their retail stores, the sales associates had sales goals. And so when they saw a order come in from online, in some cases, they would hide the inventory so that they couldn't fulfill the order because they wouldn't get credit for it. And so you created all these different awkward goals and conflicting goals that really prevented Omnichannel from becoming more mainstream. But now you see companies thinking more methodically about how the two work together and how you create goals that work for everybody. So in terms of goals, are you saying that they have one over one goal that just overarches all channels. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think a big piece of it is where it's how do you how do you make sure that you're giving uh, the e-commerce team credit for a customer browsing, but then buying something in store. And the way that we see that happening is in many cases they're getting attribution from that brick and mortar transaction, and so they may not get 100% of credit of that in-store purchase, but they could be getting 40% credit towards their e-commerce goal. Um, and it. so that's why, that's one of the things that we're starting to see people embracing, e-commerce teams embracing people buying stuff in store and vice versa. Got it. How does Omnichannel fit into the B2B world? Yeah, I mean, I think 
just generally speaking, when we think of omnichannel, we just think of B2C, but I believe strongly that you're going to see a big wave in B2B omnichannel initiatives. And I think a lot of that is going to be driven from COVID. Um, and we're already starting to see it to some extent. The reality is, is that retail buyers, great example, my mother has a a retail store in South Florida, she would always go to trade shows and showrooms uh, to purchase product. As we all know, there really isn't trade shows right now. So she's being forced uh, to buy product online. Um, and so what ended up happening with COVID is you saw a shift from people buying in, at the trade show to buying online. Um, now, ultimately, COVID is not going to last forever, and retailers have learned the convenience of B2B orders online, but eventually when those trade shows open back up, you're going to start to see an influx of manual omni-channel experiences, meaning you can see someone like my mother going to a trade show, picking out the items that she liked, um, but then taking home those line sheets and potentially purchasing them online. And so B2B omni-channel is something that I think uh, you're going to start to see more and more of in the late half of 2021. Are there different things a B2B buyer might expect from their omnichannel experience versus a B2C buyer? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at a B2B buyer, uh, there's less impulse. And B2B, it's much more of a strategic purchase. Um, and quite frankly, it's much more of a financial commitment. And one of the challenges with trade shows is that in most cases, you're on the spot being asked to place orders. And for many companies, that is a big ask. Um, and it makes it much harder to try new brands um, when you're being asked to buy them on the spot. But if you have the opportunity to browse B2B brands online, then you allow the buyer to spend more time on the site, learning about the product, learning about information. And uh, it's much easier for a retailer to discover these new brands. And so I think you're going to start to see, you're going to start to see B2B buyers that were much more methodical and more concerned with buying new brands. I think you're going to see a lot of retailers buying new brands because there's online experiences that they can learn about them. They don't just have to learn about them at a trade show. Got it. So these B2B companies should really be focusing on what kind of content and information they can be providing these buyers online. Totally. And I mean, if you think about it, like the B2B buyers, they're also B2C buyers. I mean, they shop on sites like you and I shop. So they're used to consuming great B2C content and they're going to expect great B2B content. Just like you have videos um, and B2C websites, you're going to see things like videos and B2B experiences. In B2C world, you tend to see a lot of editorial content. Now, you're going to start to see a lot of that in a B2B setting uh, as well. Because again, you're not going to have that sales rep showing you product. And you still need to educate people on products. So you're going to start to see bigger investments in content creation from a B2B perspective. Got it. Do you think there will ever be a time where consumers don't visit stores? I don't think so, um, to be honest. I think that, uh, I think if for consumers, like I'll just use myself, for example, I am a big believer in touching and feeling product um, and seeing it firsthand, specifically for 
big purchases. Um, and while I'm more comfortable um, now using websites to make those purchases, there's nothing that will replicate the experience of being in store. If you look at many retail locations, and if you look at a local clothing store, um, the reality is I like going to that store because it's experience. Um, the owners uh, know my name, they know my likes, they know my interests, I can have a conversation, and it's much more of a so social purchasing process where the reality is, is buying online really isn't a social experience. Right. It's really something to do on a Saturday afternoon, right? <laughs> exactly. Totally. Awesome. Um, so we started the episode looking back at Omnichannel a few years ago. So what do you think Omnichannel will look like in a few years? Wow. The, uh, so I think Omnichannel in, in a few years, I think you're going to start to see a lot of different integrations of this. I think one uh, example that I find very interesting is Lululemon purchasing Mirror. And I think what you're going to start to see, Omnichannel incorporate different devices. Um, so a lot of times we look at Omnichannel as website or retail store. Um, and I think the future of Omnichannel is going to include different devices like a mirror, like a video game console, like a TV. And I think the Lululemon acquisition is really interesting because they see themselves at the forefront of this. Um, when are you going to be most likely to purchase new yoga or workout apparel? Probably when you're working out right before, right after. And many customers are going to be using something like a mirror. So it's a great opportunity for someone like Lululemon to literally have ads on a device like that. Um, and I think that that's really going to be kind of the future of Omnichannel is how do you get your brand and your product on different devices and how do you think about it as much bigger than just a website or a retail store? It's really interesting to see how it's all blending together. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think it's something where even if you look at like future generations, I found it interesting that I was talking to one of my colleagues and this was around the holiday times and his daughter's were they got several gifts for the holidays and they actually spent more time on YouTube watching other children open products and explaining products versus themselves actually playing with the product. Um, <laughs> and the reason that I bring that up is that it's not really about the product itself. It's about the content and the experience of unboxing or interacting with it. And so I think you have this generation that's really going to be content first, that is going to use content to purchase products. So interesting. So different than when we were kids. <laughs> awesome. Um, before we wrap up, what can a brand do to, or in the next 30 days to kick off or enhance their omni-channel strategy? Yeah, definitely. So I think one of the things that is, is a great opportunity for brands is to I think it's very easy in a retail store to start collecting customers' information. If you have a retail location and a customer comes in, ask them if they've shopped online and ask them if they've created a account with uh, uh, on the website. And if they haven't, ask them to create an account and give them a promotion code in store. Because once they have that account, you can start capturing data about the customer. And so uh, a great way to start building your digital experience is through the brick and mortar store. And you can do that by helping customers create an account in store. 
And then once a customer has created an account in store, if they liked certain products, email them those products after the visit. Um, they might not have bought them all, um, but do some manual omnichannel initiatives um, and email them those products. And that's a great way to at least begin the process or start training your customers to use both the brick and mortar store and e-commerce site together. Great. Well, thank you, Chris, for joining us. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. For those of you listening, don't forget that Chris will be speaking with Sue Beckett from Lovesack at Adobe Summit on April 27th. And you can find any of the Funnels episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts, so Spotify, Stitcher, all of the above. But until next time. Bye.